impunity for police. Join PACA, Pan-African Community Action, on Wednesday, January 24th for the Asada Shakur Study Group session, The D.C. Crime Bill and the War on Chocolate City, where we will unpack the implications of this crime bill and discuss how community control is the democratic path to adequate solutions for addressing the root causes that lead to crime, poverty, addiction, food insecurity, inadequate housing, and capitalist exploitation. That's the D.C. Crime Bill and the War on Chocolate City, Wednesday, January 24th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Black Workers and Wellness Center. 2500 Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue, Southeast D.C. There is an online option. To find out more, go online to pacapower.org slash events. WPFW is your station for jazz and justice, building a better world one broadcast at a time. Good evening. It's just about 6 p.m. in the nation's capital. The name of this show is News Views on every Friday from 6 to 7 p.m. My main man, Shep, is in there behind the glass making the show happen, and I certainly appreciate his expertise. He's the brains behind this operation. I'm just sitting over here running my running my mouth. Um, but without Shep, uh, you wouldn't be hearing a thing. So thank you very much. All right, let's move on. I'm going to open the phones in a little bit, but first, um, let's talk about today the briefly the um, International Criminal Justice, the ICJ, that is the judicial arm, shall we say, of the um, of the United Nations made a ruling. South Africa had gone to them. They'd written up a brilliant 84 page document complaint, as we call it uh, in, in, in court, a complaint. And they um, presented that to the court, making the argument that Israel was involved in a genocide against the Palestinians. They utilized such things as statements that were made by leaders of Israel. They utilized uh, videos that they had, like TikTok videos of Israeli soldiers who were singing and, say, and saying various things. And uh, a big part of the discussion as to how the outcome of this, this, this preliminary part of the case was going to come was about how much control the United States has over the United Nations court, how much control they have over this particular institution. It wasn't like whether or not, it, you know, from the legal perspective, whether or not Israel, what Israel is doing is constitutes genocide. It's preposterous to me to argue that they don't. The evidence was, you know, overwhelming um, that the uh, Israelis, they literally leaders of the of the Israeli um, uh, government have made statement after statement to demonstrate that a genocidal intent, right? Why is it? I guarantee you that's a family member. Look, my phone's ringing. I guarantee, I always say that. I guarantee it's a family member. But actually, no, it's not. It's a, uh, that was a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, somebody calling me to sell something. Anyway, so let me continue. Let me turn off this thing. Um, so uh, the, the South Africa made that, um, claim to the they presented their case uh, about uh, two weeks ago or so to the International Court of Justice and um, made their made their argument. What happens after that is the ICJ, International Court of Justice, the ICJ would then rule. This is a preliminary ruling, right? It's kind of like, look, we, you know, we don't have to hear the whole because the, the claim is genocide. So if the claim is genocide, what the um ICJ does is they make a preliminary ruling to as to whether or not there is, you know, probable cause. I'll use that term, something people may be familiar with here in the U.S. Probable cause, I guess, that um, it's not exactly the term, but that's what most Americans would understand, that a genocide may be taking place. And that then gives them the authority to issue um, orders. You have to stop doing this or stop doing that. Okay. In a nutshell, the court found the probable cause. Remember, that's not the term they use, but it's, it works for the, 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 the purpose of understanding it, that a genocide is happening or may be happening. And they issued a number of orders, not the least of which being, you know, you have to uh, uh, allow humanitarian aid. Uh, the fact that Israel is refusing to allow food and water into a um, 
population of two million people. I think that's all you need. But we there's much, much more than that. But um, so they ordered humanitarian aid. They ordered um, Israel to do things that would be killing civilians. That's not they didn't say there has to be a ceasefire. But you could certainly take from the language that they um, issued forth that it implies a ceasefire Um, at the minimum. It implies that they got to stop doing what they're doing now. This is going to you're going to find this shocking. But Itamir Ben-Gavir, one of the real kooks, and I mean, just absolutely kook, a fascist kook. Um, he said that um, this is you're going to love this. After the ICJ ruled that Israel's committing genocide, he said the ICJ is anti-Semitic. So now if you're genociding people, you kill twenty five thousand civilians minimum. And when somebody says, hey, stop killing those civilians, you're anti-Semitic. Well, how anti-Semitic can you be to tell me to stop murdering men, women and children on a daily basis? How preposterous it is. And luckily, I am glad I am really glad that there are so many Jewish people leading the um, fight. There are so many people, Jewish people out here leading the, the, the marches for peace and the and the pushes, to, the push to stop this, um, because if that didn't happen, there's a lot of people that would be anti would be anti-Semitic. There are a lot of people would be mad and they'd just be angry. Those Jews are doing this or that. But it, what, what, what people are learning is that Zionism, which is the foundational ideology of Israel, is not Judaic. It's not a Jewish ideology. Look. It is related to me. They use the Judaism for Zionism, but Zionism, you know, is able. I put it like this: basically arguing that Jewish people are not safe anywhere in the world; that they should have their own homeland where they should be safe. Therefore, Israel's their homeland, and they should have it. The problem is, it's at the exclusion of the democratic uh, rights and the human rights of the Palestinians. Um, the people who started. Um, Zionism were atheists, literally atheists. So how is it Jewish? You know, it is related to me. Zionism uses the Jewish people as human shields to do terrible, evil things. And now, luckily, and I'm happy to see so many Jewish people out here pushing back and fighting back against um, against what's going because it's wrong. And um, so that's wonderful. But at any rate, so let me continue. So they've made this ruling against um, Israel. Um, I think. One of the other things that it does is it mean this also means because aiding a betting and abetting a genocide is also a crime under the genocide convention. So it um, subjects the Biden administration, I would argue Congress, too, but it subjects the people who are providing the weapons, the guns, the bombs, the missiles. It subjected them to a certain level of liability. I understand that. Um, South Africa is, in fact, preparing a case to go after the U.S. and U.K. So I think that was a good thing. Would I have liked the ICJ to say we order a ceasefire? Certainly. But I'm happy that they found on behalf of South America, you know, the old saying, the, let's not make the good the enemy, the, per, the uh, good, the enemy of the perfect or the other way around, whichever ways it goes. It's, it, you know what I mean? It's a good um, it's a good, good outcome, I have to argue, particularly in that the U.S. empire had so controlled a lot of these international bodies to the point where none of them would ever make a finding against what the United States wanted. These people did. And um, we'll see what happens from here. They did say that the Israelis have to write a report or something within a month as to what they're doing. But but bottom line is, in the event that Israel just ignores it, what if Israel just says, ah, forget it. We're just going to keep on genociding people because, hey, it's what we're doing, right? Which I would expect them to do. Um, if you think about it, this will go to the now goes to the UN Security Council, which the U.S. is expected to veto it. But then it goes to the full body. And everybody can vote. And I expect that, um, you know, whatever will, that it'll be passed there, um, that the, the 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 orders from the court will be passed there. The United States will be facing embarrassment and humiliation. Good. The leaders of genocide, Joe and his uh, and psychotic, sociopathic, uh, genocidal crew. And um, then, you know, we'll see what happens from there. I mean, there's a lot of potential here. Let's not forget the uh, United Nations literally threw South Africa out, threw them out of the U.N. So I think that, you know, could be in the offing of entry for I- Israel um, if they keep up, you know, the, the keep going in the direction they're going uh, where they're uh, there's the potential for 
um, uh, economic sanctions, all kinds of things. So we'll see where this goes. The U.S. is going to do everything they can to, to block them, but they are also liable. And I also think this also opens the door for some of the African countries and, and South American countries who have had horrible crimes and civil and, and uh, human rights violations committed against them by the European colonial powers, by the United States. Uh, hey, what about mm, black folks and uh, Native Americans here? <laughs> Time to go to the ICJ and make our plea, right? I mean, come on, look at the Native Americans. You know what I mean? If it, they're, they're living on, they stole everything they got, and now they're literally got them living on these reservations where like 30% of the people there don't have running water. You know, I mean, what kind of an international crime is that? So at any rate, I think it opens the door for uh, people who have been heretofore powerless to come forward to go up against the U.S. empire and the colonial powers in Europe. And um, the fact of the matter is, I mean, look, there is a uh, diamond, the, 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 the crown that the queen or the king or whoever of, um, of England wears has a diamond in the middle. And I think it's called the diamond of Africa or something of Africa, right? Because it was stolen from Africa. It's worth 500 million. I think they want their diamond back and I think they should sue you and say, give me every all those jewels that ain't yours. Yeah, give them to me back. Um, France, you know, France, which uh, several of the African countries just kicked France out. But I mean, you got countries like Mali, you got countries. How's a country have 500 gold mines and they ain't got an ounce of gold? But France has no gold mines and they got hundreds of tons of gold that came out of Mali's gold mine. <laughs> see, see what I'm saying? Bottom line is. The U.S., the U.S. empire has been robbing these countries blind. Right now, Iraq, a lot of Americans just don't. You know, here's the thing. I don't blame a lot of Americans because a lot of Americans don't know how treacherous their government is. It's kind of like, let's just say, I remember reading this thing about this guy. You can look up called the BTK killer. Well, it's like blind torture killer or some serial killer, right? And I remember reading that he had a wife and kids. And I thought, gee, how's that feel? Hey, how's dad doing? Uh, I don't know. He's downstairs sharpening his chainsaw again. He's always sharpening chainsaws for some reason. I don't know why. Because he's the BTK killer, right? So at some point you find out your dad is a serial killer and you just thought he was the guy that took you on sleigh rides and stuff. And But he was a serial killer the whole time, right? Uh, I feel like that's Americans. You know what I mean? Americans are like, yes, we're out in the world to do good. And when they find out what their government's actually doing, a lot of them like go into cognitive dissonance. No, they're not doing that. <laughs> we're, we're the good guys. We wouldn't do that. And I understand. It can't feel good to find out that old dad's a serial killer. And in the instance of the United States, when you find out dad's a genocider. Look, genocide Joe, right? Let me ask you this. You know how many people died in Iraq? Around a million. A million. Is that a genocide? And let me ask you something you might not know about your wonderful, dear, lovely, liberal government that's out to do good. We overthrew the government of Iraq, right? Overthrew, illegally, made up lies, overthrew their government, killed a million people, right? Right now, Iraq has lots of oil and Iraq sells oil. Do you know where all of the money goes for Iraq's oil? Into the United States. The U.S. literally... When Iraq sells oil, we take the money. That is colonialism. And now the Iraqis are like, we want the Americans out. But they got a problem. Because the Americans got their money. And how are they going to get the Americans out when the Americans are literally stealing their money? We got all of their money. When the United States left Afghanistan, the United States had $7.5 billion of Afghanistan's sovereign wealth fund. So we left Afghanistan, got thrown out of Afghanistan. And the Afghans said, OK, well, y'all are gone now. Yeah. Can we have our seven and a half billion back? You know what Joe Biden said? No, we're keeping that. We're thieves. The United States common thieves. Seven and a half billion. Uh, they had. Uh, look it up. You don't have to believe me. The, the Afghans were dealing with hunger and starvation that could have been rectified if somebody had given them seven and a half billion dollars. Joe Biden's administration mr biden that people are running around four more years we got to vote for this guy they stole now seven and a half billion dollars ain't much to us but to afghanistan it's a lot it would have stopped the starvation that they were going through you know what happened you know why people hate us and they like russian china because russian china brought them food and kept them going 
and kept them alive. And we stole their money like common criminals because that's what the government of the United States is. You know, I've been on here since 2013, 10 going on 11 years. And I've been saying people get mad at me because I say, if you look at the United States, I say, here's what people think. You think you're on a luxury liner. Look at us. We're on a luxury liner. You're on a pirate ship. The Jolly Roger, my friends, the United States goes around the world stealing people's stuff, mostly brown people. But we will make an exception, but mostly brown people. Right. And then we come home. The government comes home and says to the people of America, we're a force for the good. And they call it liberal interventionism. Here's what they do. That country over there that just happens to have a lot of oil and gold and uranium and things like that, bananas and coffee. The leader of that country is a dictator. Did you ever notice that? Isn't it interesting that all of the countries that we don't like, the leader's always a dictator. And because he's a dictator, we have to protect the people because those people deserve democracy. So we have to. So this is the crap they give us that kills me that Americans still believe that. I, I find it shocking, but we got to be the most gullible people in the world. So then they say, yes, um, country X has a dictator and he doesn't like democracy and we've got to save the people. And you say, and what are we going to do to save the people? Oh, we're going to bomb them. Won't that kill them? Well, in theory, it may kill some of them, but the rest will have democracy. And that's good. Now, we don't ask the people, hey, you want us to come in? Because they would always say, no, we don't. But they lie to the American people and they get the American people to believe that we are the good guys and we're going around the world. Did you know North Korea is evil? They're an evil, crazy country and they're a threat to us. North, Carolina, North Korea is the size of Pennsylvania. How are they a threat to us? They're not. They're not a threat to us, but they're an independent nation who wants to do what they want to do. And they don't want to bend to the knee of the United States. So the United States comes home and tells the American people, the leader of North Korea is crazy and he's insane. You ever notice this, too? The leader of any country that, that the U.S. empire doesn't like, they're crazy. They're dictators. They're insane. They're evil. But for some reason. Some of the most evil dictators on earth the United States supports, gives them money and weapons because they'll do our bidding. The United States don't care about no dictator. In fact, I would argue this. Most of the countries, when the United States says they're an evil dictator, they're not. That's really how I judge it. If the U.S. points to a country and says that guy's an evil dictator, I'm like, well, he's probably pretty much all right. He's, he's, he's good to go. If they call, Biden and him, if Genocide Joe and his crew or whoever it is, if it's Trump, if it's Obama, I don't care who it is. If they point to a country and they say that country's run by an evil dictator, I say that guy's probably pretty much all right. History tells me consistency is always the safest bet. And time after time, the United States literally puts Saddam Hussein in power. They gave him weapons of mass destruction. They during the Iran Iraq war, the United States used satellites to target the Iranians so that Saddam Hussein could use poison gas against them. And then a few years later said, hey, he's got poison gas. How do you know? We gave it to him. He's got poison gas. We got to go in there and kill him. And we went in there. The guy that we put in power killed him and a million more people and came home. And you and, and they can still make the point to Americans. We're the good guys. And you got these schleps walking around here who still believe it. I ain't one of them. I, and I'm on here every week saying I find it amazing. Now, first, let me add this. I got to show my love to the people of Islam, to the Muslim people today. Oh, much love for the Muslim people. Um, one of the things that's coming out now the in Michigan they're starting this abandoned Biden thing where all these Muslim people in the country are saying you're committing genocide against our people. We ain't voting for you. And I thought to myself, man, couldn't black folks learn from that? I mean, they've been giving us a shaft for 400 years and black folks are still running around. Hey, we got to support Biden because we're scared of Trump. It took the Muslims one time. Right. You can beat the black folks. You can beat us for 400 years and then say, vote for me and we'll still show up at the booth. We got to because we're scared of Trump. You hit the Muslims one time. You ain't get my vote. You. Well, I love it. The, the Muslims are like, yeah, you're genociding their people. Like, yeah, they got these signs. Abandon Biden. 
And I'm like, couldn't black folks learn something from the Muslim people? Couldn't you learn to have some backbone that you just can't be had over and over? Can somebody cannot continue to pick your pocket and sell you your own wallet every four years? Promise you things, give you nothing. To the point where now the Democratic Party looks at black folks and say, well, we know we got them dummies going to vote for us. So we don't have to give them nothing. We don't have to do nothing for them. We don't have to give them nothing. All we got to do every four years is scream Trump and they'll show right up and vote for us. But the Muslims, oh, no, sir, brother. The Muslims have said, we ain't voting for you. Well, Trump, you know what they're going to say? That's your problem, son. If you're scared of Trump, then you need to do something to cause me to vote for Trump. You apparently are not scared of Trump or you wouldn't be genociding my people. You can't have my vote. Love to the Muslim people. Oh, if black Americans who have been so culturalized here in America that they can't stand up for themselves anymore and they just wait for the Democratic Party to slap them around, to treat them like a prostitute every four years and then say, come back and vote for me. You ain't got nowhere else to go. Look over there, Trump. And we still run back to him. And there you got the Muslims. They gave you one chance, brother. <laughs> the Muslims said you got one chance. Oh, you judging aside Muslims? You're done. You ain't get my vote. And they're not just not getting my vote. They're running around with signs. They got a movement. And it's look online. It's literally called Abandon Biden. You got to love that. Look at the, the in Yemen, the Houthi people. They're like, man, we're poor. We don't have much. Oh, but you, you, you wait a minute. You killed some of our people. Yeah, you got to die. <laughs> and Americans like, we're going to bomb them. And the Yemen's are like, yeah, well, you can bomb us. We don't care. You know, we're going to pray and we're going to take our missiles and you're going to get it. They're going to, they're, you know, it's like Malcolm X. No fear. What Malcolm X say? Look, you know, your life is important. Guard your life with everything you got. But if you got to go, take four or five of them with you. That's what Yemen's saying. That's what they're saying. They're saying, look, we're here to do our thing. We're standing up for what our principles. You're killing our people. You're genociding our people. We, okay, you're going to bomb us. You can bomb us. You can't kill us all. But while you're bombing us, you're going to have a fight on your hands. They don't have a lot. They got a few missiles. I just looked on Twitter before I got here. And I blew up another British ship. Another British ship on fire. Some British oil tanker or something. They took a missile. Wham. They don't have much. But what they have, they're using. I have to have respect for people who will stand up for their principles, who will not be run over and mowed over, who will stand up and say, hey, look, I ain't saying I'm a win, but I'm saying I'm going to fight. You might win. You might not. But you got to fight on your hands. You have throughout the Middle East now these Muslim resistance factions. And the U.S. is like, they're terrorists. They're terrorists. How are they terrorists? They live there. We come to your house kill your people and call you a terrorist you have a right to defend your home you have a right to defend your land you have a right to defend your civilization and that's what the muslim people are doing and the usc these america doesn't understand it they're going over there well we've got these big ships ha <laughs> ha look what we got helicopters we got planes we got that you know what they have they have a shared set of values a, a shared set of principles and that's what they're going to they're, 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 they're going to fight for. Look, you got these groups that have no they're not state actors. You've got uh, Hamas. You've got various uh, PMUs. They call them popular mobilization units. They're like militias of people. Right. They, they're not they don't work for a, a government. America's like they're Iranian proxies. Some of them been armed by Iran. Bottom line is they do their own thing. They don't have a government behind them, a lot of them. They're just simple like this. You came to our land, you're going to kill our people, you're going to get it. We're going to fight. People that simply say, I don't know that I'm going to win, then I'm not going to win. But I'll tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to fight. America came to their land. You can go a lot of places around the world. But when you go to the lands of the Muslim people, if you lay a mitt on them, <laughs> you got a fight coming on your hands. And the American empire will go the way of the dodo bird if they stay there fighting in the Middle East. Because the people of Islam are fighting for principle, right? So, so they will, they're not going to give up. Their kids ain't going to give up. Their grandkids ain't going to give up. They're, stand, they're not there to steal the oil. They got the oil. It's their oil. 
They're not coming here saying, hey, what kind of natural resources do you have? Can we take them? Can we? No, they don't want to. They know what they, who they are, what they want to do, how they want to live. They got their own culture. America, you've got to go along with their culture. They're like, no, we got our own. We're good. We've been doing this for thousands of years. We will keep doing it. Get off our backs. But if you come over here, and you think you're going to cause trouble, you're going to have to fight to stay here. See, that's what they're saying. They're not saying you can't be here. They're saying you can be here, but you're going to have to fight to stay here. Best of luck there. Let me open the phone lines. 902-588-0893. Feel free to call in and let me tell you housekeeping rules, housekeeping rules. Number one, do not use a um, speakerphone. They don't work well. Do not set the phone down. We have a 10 second delay. And if you got the phone to your ear and you're holding on, that delay's not going to be there. But if you set it down and you listen to the computer or listen to your radio, there's a 10 second delay. So when I call you, you'll hear it on if you're on the phone, but you won't hear it till 10 seconds later and you'll miss me. So make sure when you call and you're on hold, hold, hold that phone to your ear. When you speak, speak clearly right into the microphone and no speaker phones. 202-588-0893. We got any callers? We, okay, we got a caller. First call, you're on air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Brother Garland, this is uh, Leo calling long distance from Lisbon. Man, my man, man, our man, not mine, this is the show. You're our man in Portugal. What's happening in Portugal? What do we need to know, Leo? Well, well, so far, uh, so good. But, uh, yeah, elections are not going to take place until March. Well, snap elections, that is. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometime in November, uh, the prime minister uh, was forced to resign due to uh, corruption scandals that uh, plunged, uh, that you know, implicate uh, that his government was implicated in, and his chief of staff was uh, uh, arrested, and other officials were resi- uh, resigned. And in response, the prime minister had to resign. Uh, you know, where he decided to resign, and now the country's president uh, called for new elections uh, scheduled to take place on March 10th. To elect a new government, so now until so till then, uh, the prime minister is serving uh, as a caretaker, and you know the, his government is now dissolved. Interesting. So. Well, you know we don't we don't have that issue here because we get a we know we get a criminal every four years. They don't have to resign because we know they're a criminal when they go into office. Every one of them. But what do you what are your thoughts on uh, what's happening, Leo? Well, I uh, no. So this uh, so this afternoon I was on the metro. I left. The, I was going to. I was. I just stepped out of the metro and I was uh, going through my social media and whatnot. And I just bumped into uh, uh, shocking news of uh, regarding the South Africa regarding how uh, regarding South Africa's request uh, turned down uh, its votes turned down. Uh, uh, with South Africa, uh, South Africa's accusation against Israel. So this is uh, what. Uh, so this is a publication from uh, an Instagram uh, channel called African Stream. Uh, they got they got pretty good information here. Uh, well, if they think it was uh, turned down, they ain't got all that good information. But go ahead. But it says Ugandan. Uh, it says I, I quote: Ugandan ICJ judge votes down. South Africa's request. Oh, so uh, just so I can tell you what happened was like um, every I think there was 17 judges. And so on every count. Right. It was, um, you know, they would read 15 for two against 16 for one against the Ugandan judge voted against no one. Everyone now she lost. It was like 15 to 15 one. So the point is, yes, the Ugandan judge voted against everything, but it was like 15 to two and 15 to one. So she voted against it. She voted it down, but 15 other people voted for it. Go, but go ahead. Yeah, but no, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it really, I just found it to be outrageous. I think, and you know, I just thought of how, you know, uh, subservient, uh, uh, you know, I guess like subservient or maybe like uh, whitewashed of a judge she really is. And I do think that, you know, ICJ, 
no, I, it is my opinion, and I, I it has, I think it has like, it, it, I feel like this is meant for like white the white man's court because, uh, because I I looked at the history of this judge and it says, uh, Sebutinde the the judge previously served on this on the special court for Sierra Leone set up by the UN and the government to prosecute crimes committed during the 1996 civil war. I don't know much about how, you know, uh, what her verdict, uh, like the verdict that she uh, left when it comes to the 1996 Sierra Leonean civil war. But I do feel like this indicates how. Um, uh, certain, I'm with you, Leo. Uh, you know, African, African leaders or uh, African officials like Africans in high, uh, higher, uh, higher offices or higher positions in uh in the judicial system and the, and, you know, in league in their own leadership and whatnot are more like, you know, they're subservient. They, they're not acknowledging what, um, what has happened, what happened to them in the past. Because if you see certain countries like Ghana, uh, um, democratic Republic of Congo, Kenya, they openly supported Israel. Well, yeah, here's something. Other... Here's something, Leo. You got to understand. And I think I agree. She was probably a puppet, but you know, uh, what they didn't have enough puppets on the court today. They had one or two. But here's my point. And they call it the comprador class. You know, when the U.S. when the empire, the imperialists, the colonialists of 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 of, uh, of Europe, when they would have you know some country that they would colonize in South America, when they left, supposedly left, or supposedly the country got its independence, what they would leave is a class of backstabbers a cl- they'd find some black folks in that country let's say it's ghana at that time they or whatever country let's say they're leaving congo whatever right they would find some people that they could pay off right and they would put them in power they would keep them in power and that way whoever well let's say there was gold mines uranium mines all that right all of the money all of that stuff would still go to let's say it was france that had that country they leave they leave some puppets in charge so they could continue to funnel all of the natural resources out into their pockets that's what africa dealt with a comprador class as you would call it a class of people who they got all the money because they helped the the you know Western colonial powers to continue to rob the country. So uh, yeah, I'm very familiar, and the African people are very familiar with that right now. That's one of the things that's going on in the Sahel region. You know, in Burkina Faso, in various countries around Mali, they're now saying we're going to kick out the French. We're going to keep. We're going to take these puppets out of power, and we're going to assert our authority to get our to sell our own natural resources and use this for the good of our own countries. Oh, I agree. No, and it's uh it, it, you know, thanks to African Stream, let me tell you. I learned a lot. I even watched uh, uh images um <clears throat> that um that you know, the western media wouldn't dare to show thing uh you know, uh uh images like uh, local, the local uh, people in Niger depriving, uh, preventing uh, uh, food and water for like you know that are meant to meant to this, uh, meant meant for the uh, French ambassador that was in uh, which is who's now kicked mm-hmm. out of uh, Niamey. Mm-hmm. But at that time he was uh, when he was while he was there, uh, there were uh, like like croissant and uh, all, all that good stuff meant for him while the people while the ordinary uh, Nigerian uh, public is uh, got has nothing. Been well, I, and I hate to cut you off but I got another caller but I yeah. certainly appreciate the call every week Leo 202 we got some uh, open lines next caller you're on air what's your name where you calling from Hi, this is Tabu calling from Washington, D.C. Tabu, talk to me, my friend. Yes, sir. A couple uh, questions, and then uh, I'd like for you to comment on something. One, uh, is Zionism and Freemasonry connected? I don't know that much about Freemasonry. Okay. It looks like to me it's a little offshoot of it. And secondly, uh, uh, our culture, black culture. When you mentioned how the Muslims don't let you say they mess with them, well, what happens? What have our people been fighting for all these years? 
the liber- freedom fighters, liberty fighters, then I'd like for you to look at who is it that is creating all these wars that you speak of. You know, keep in mind, I like to focus on how do we stop it. Mm-hmm. Now, it's what, about Fred, imperialism. You know, if you look at it, let me just do a quick statement. If you look at it, before the U.S. came to power, who was it? It was the European colonialist powers, Belgium, Germany, all that. They literally came together, in, I believe it was 1860s, and they had a meeting, and they decided how they were going to split Africa up. Like Africa was a cake. You take this country, you take these three countries, you take... So the, the, British, the, the, the European colonial powers basically split Africa up amongst themselves, committed all kinds of terrible murders and genocides all over Africa, did the same thing with the Middle East, stole the people's stuff. Then when they supposedly left, they left people in charge so they could still keep robbing them to this day. Right, right. Now, please let me know. You're right on, and this is what I want to get at, because keep in mind, we need to stop it. Yes. And I think it's happening. I think that's what's happening. Hear me me out. Let's look at something. Well, let me ask you one question. Do you want world war? Well, I think that's a, a rhetorical question. I think we both know the answer to that. Well, 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 okay, right. So we will say the answer is no. And that's why I'm saying let us begin to focus. Well, who is it, if we're thinking in terms of the policies being made that's causing war, then if you look at Trump's record and you look at Biden's record, now keep in mind I'm not talking about uh, the Republicans versus Democrats, because I agree with you, this is pretty much one party. But I think it looks like to me Trump is a different candidate he has not his record has not been one of global wars or am i wrong well you know i'm a man that believes in telling the truth trump was in there for four years and he didn't now don't get me wrong he attacked he killed uh soleimani he could have started a war but for whatever reason i will agree with you trump didn't start a war Let, let me say this i got if i'm honest here's what i'll say on foreign policy Joe Biden is definitely more dangerous than Trump. I would argue that he's probably one of the most dangerous. No, excuse me. Joe Biden is the most dangerous, the worst foreign policy president this United States has ever seen. And there ain't nobody close. And isn't and isn't Obama still controlling him? I don't know that I don't seem that does it seem that way? I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, some people think so. I don't know. I'll be honest yeah, with oh, you. The reason what I'm getting at, keep in mind, I'm looking at solutions. Mm-hmm. If we want to stop the world where all this killing and stuff to be going that's happening, let's look at the person who has a track record, who has proven that, that they can stop this. Well, I'll put it like this. I, I ain't going to say that Trump could or would stop it. Well, I don't no, know. No, He's different. But, He's but here's He's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. Because, you know, as I always say, me, I'm going to write in, you know, the ghost of Eugene Debs or something. But I understand how people I understand how people are so desperate, are so burned and snake bit after what Biden has done for four years. I know black folks right now to tell me they're going to vote for Trump. Hey, I'm voting for Trump or you. I'm like, I'm writing somebody in. But I, but I understand how people can be so upset and angry that they would vote for, as as uh, Malcolm X said no, about no, the field slaves, angry, any place emotional. is better than here. But go ahead. Not not emotional. No, that's a rational decision. Yeah, I understand. Now, Garland, you are a very rational person. Yep. Now, so what we need to ask you to do is make a rational decision. Let's vote for someone who is going to stop the crap that we don't want. So a rational person will say, well, look, this man has a proven record, and he says he will do it again. He obviously knows how to do it. So in making a rational decision, just take all the emotions out. It ain't about liking mm-hmm. no person. Hey, man, I can't disagree with you. Okay. There's nothing you're saying that I can be like, well, that's not rational. What you're saying is a reasonable position for somebody to take i understand how somebody could look at what's been going on in this country for i don't know how many years look at the danger we're in of nuclear war with these lunatics and make a decision and say well i think this person is less dangerous than the other or whatever personally trump will be making look he'll be if, if he wins he'll be lucky to get to the to the white house alive if you want the truth i mean i really believe that there right, is well, no or anybody else i don't put anything past the people that run this country wouldn't be the first president they took out right now go we want to, the, the goal is to save ourselves who can yep. best save ourselves yep well hopefully hopefully we can so but thanks well, a lot well, look i under and as i said i understand what you're saying what you're saying is perfectly rational and, and not unreasonable. What our people have fought for. When you talk over what the Muslim will do, our people, the black folk here and black who are out.
called Negro? Because I think that mindset of Africanism or Pan-Africanism might be a little different from the goal that the Negroes had, the black folk who had this thing of fighting for liberty, freedom for a group here. It wasn't necessarily global, because I think the globalism has taken us away from our focus as a people. But I do still believe, as of Paul Robeson and so many people, that you cannot separate the struggle from oppressed people from around the world that that you could make an argument that people are being oppressed by the Middle East from the Middle East by the U.S. empire. The people are here are being oppressed by the U.S. empire, that the fight that the masses, the working class, the struggling people, the people of color, the 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 average Joe on the street has the same struggle against the same people worldwide. The U.S. empire is not the colonial powers are knocking people down worldwide. So I do well, see it as a worldwide struggle against right, imperialism right. And, and the violence of these uh you know, ultra-elitist, rich scumbags. Well, that's why I asked the question about Zionism and Freemasonry. Keep in mind, uh, when this country started, uh, remember, first anti-party, the anti-Masonic party? Okay. And and you mentioned Robert Robeson. Mm-hmm. He went to Russia. It was Russia who has always been in, in, to help the, United, the American people, pretty much. In the Revolutionary War, they didn't send troops. But they didn't support. Well, the they sent stuff. two ships. In fact, no, what, was it the uh, or was it the um, not the Revolutionary War? The um, well, the Civil War. Civil the War. Russians, yeah, they sent the uh, a couple sent of armadas to protect San Francisco Bay and New York Harbor. I think it was. Right. So was, yes, that was the Civil War. They've yep. always been with us. Uh, yep. Uh, yes, uh, true. Solus, Alaska. Okay, the International Space Station. So we gotta be careful of this certain groups. These that's behind the scene, these secret societies, and that's, that's why I talked about the Masons. Starting out, George Washington was, George Mason was not, Jefferson was not. Well, let me, let, me, let me add something else, too, and here's the reality. When the countries were fighting back against, um, the African countries, the South American countries were fighting back against, you know, all the colonial powers, it was the Soviet Union that was arming them. It was the Soviet Union that was supporting their struggle. See, that's why the Africans still love Russia today, because it was Russia, which was the Soviet Union back then. It was the Soviet Union that who helped the African National Congress uh, 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 to to, um, uh, you know, overcome the uh, apartheid, the Soviet Union. The United States and Israel were the last two countries that supported the apartheid in Africa. Uh, uh, Nelson Mandela was a terror, was was classified as a terrorist in the United United States up until like 2012, technically classified as a terrorist. The United States and Israel supported all the most racist apartheid countries in the world. The United States has been a pretty nasty player on the world stage. But thanks a lot, Tabu. Got a couple more callers. 202-588-0893. Next caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Man, I really enjoyed that last brother that you just got finished talking to. He was calling it right on a nail. And a lot of things he, he was saying, I do agree well. Mm-hmm. You know, that especially when it comes towards that Trump does have a better track record of keeping this country out of all these wars, that it's time for the black community in this country to finally start putting our people first and stop worrying about every, uh, about other people fighting our own battles for us. Because every time when we partner with white people, we still come out on a losing end of the stick. We still get nothing out of it. I heard a white uh, a, a, a white person from the left on C-SPAN was wilding and crying because he can't understand why a lot of black people is fleeing the Democratic Party. Well, when the Democratic Party is, is not doing anything for black people issues, and was constantly, Frank Honest, focusing more on LBGQ issues, is ignoring the issues of the black community, they set themselves up for this. The black community tried to tell them this the first time around. Let me, can I, let me ask you a question. As opposed- I'd like to ask you a question. So my view, certainly I'm black and I recognize that and, you know, I'm down with the black issues, right? But what do you say to Garland Nixon who says, look, if I'm living on the street and I'm here and next to me is a Puerto Rican family is next to them is a white family. And all of us work down at the local mill, work down at the local whatever. We all have the same needs. Our kids all have the same needs. We're working class people trying to make it. We have all this stuff in common right now in the mayor is black 
or Puerto Rican or whatever. They ain't got nothing to do with us just because we're black. I'm black. They're not on my side. That Garland says, I see economic class. I believe that the work. Yes, black people need to come together as a block. But I believe the working class needs to come together and realize that these elitists, that this ruling elite is screwing over everybody in the working class. And what they would hate worse than anything, than black people come together is when black people and white people and all of the working class people come together and say, we're going to go on strike, we're going to do this, that we're going to act as an economic class because the ruling elite acts as an economic class. What are your thoughts on that? Your way for decades. We always partner with other groups, and it never worked. There comes a time when black people got to put black people first. I'm not saying ignoring other people's problems. That's not what I'm saying. But we have done that your way. For once, our people need to put our people first. I wish. We need to work out for the interests of our people. We have done it your way for decades and decades and decades and decades, and we still got nothing out of it. I don't see it that way. I say we need to do it because I don't. You may believe that black folks and white people have been working together against the ruling class, but I ain't seeing it in my lifetime. Out of it. We still got nothing out of it. We're still at the bottom of the food chain. So you that's believe that we've been you believe that's been happening? That white people that working class white folks and black folks have been working class white folks and black folks have been divided by the ruling class. They use race to divide us. Cause they don't want us to come together and realize that we're getting shafted by the same a ruling elite. We already been coming together. We come together all the time. Really? I'm not saying that I'm not saying that we should not have allies. I'm saying for once, we need to put our people first because we're still losing. We're still at the bottom of the food chain on everything. You got the rich ones, the the blacks that got the money and all that, they're too afraid of their white counterparts to help their own people. That's why they won't do nothing for our people. And when you got the younger generation that's coming up right now, they're saying that we tried it the Garden Nixon way, and it still has not worked. See, that's where you and I disagree. You got all these. Okay, the white. You're saying that we've already tried it. I'm saying I haven't seen it in my lifetime black folks and white folks coming together as a, the working class to work together against the. Nah, I haven't seen it. You may feel that it happened. I'm saying I haven't seen it. Should not come together. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that comes a time where, for once, our people need to put our people first. We have not done that. We have done it your way. For way too long, you're not going to convince the younger black generation of that. You got you, you got new generation of black people coming up right now that sees that this is not working. I'm not saying again. I'm not saying that we should not find partners or ally with. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying that black people for once need to put our people first. We have never done that. We're always fighting everybody else's issues, and we always come out on the loser end of the stick. That's why you see all of this massive poverty out here. You got black kids out there blowing the brains out and obliterating each other because there's a lot of anger out there. The black, general, the, the black leaders right now can't even stop killing around our own people. We have to heal our own people. We got to get out of this middle slavery that black people can't do anything for themselves. That all right. Well, thank you very much. I- hey, look, I certainly appreciate the call. And uh, look, you know, I'm going to give you every opportunity to make your point because I appreciate your calling and supporting the show. Uh, all right. All right. All right. Next caller, what's that? Thanks a lot. Appreciate the call. All right. You know, look, whether I agree with people or not, and I don't fully disagree with him. I agree. Black people need to come together as a unit, as a voting block. And I even said, like the Muslims, the Muslims said you get one chance and we're gone. Black folks need to have some deal breakers, too, when it comes to politics. It says if you cross this line, I'm not supporting you. We don't have no deal breakers. You know, Joe Biden can cross any line in every four years. All the black folks going to line up. We've got to support the Democrats. I don't care what they do. I don't care how bad they abuse us, how much they lie. They never do anything. Every four years, they give us a bunch of crap. And then four years later, we've got you, you make sure you vote for the Democrats because the Republicans are scary. They shouldn't do anything for you. The Democrats should do nothing for you if you are going to give them what they want. And, and they don't have to give you anything? They shouldn't. That's all I'm saying. So I'm agreeing with the brother there, but I have a different perspective because of my views when it comes to seeing politics through the lens of economic class. That to me, the most powerful thing that could happen is when black folks and white folks and everybody come together and say, we're working class people. We got the same needs and we're getting shafted by the ruling elite. 
we're going to come together and fight back. I think the ruling elite is horrified of that more than anything. Next call, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Ted from Upper Marlboro. Hey, Ted, I'm all ears. Talk to me. Yeah, I heard. I had originally had a question as to uh, whether or not the court ruling that it's probably uh, genocide um, would help the Houthis because, uh, you know, uh, because he has, uh, by he I mean Biden, has come in and without American uh, approval uh, of a, of, you know, or the declaration of war, yep. he has started bombing them. But the other thing that, you know, as I was sitting here listening, um, I have to say that people are wrong. Um, there is an emotion here, and the emotion is fear. It's it's a fear that if they you don't go for the lesser of two evils. If they're evils, you you go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem there's a little bit of truth in what both people are saying. Black people, when we get organized, we put a bus company in Selma, Alabama, out of business. Mm-hmm. Because we got organized. We didn't wait for the uh, Johnson, who, who I give credit to changing the laws, which also shows that even people who in their past had been racist are the only people who actually fought for us, um, uh, you know, whether it's Johnson or, or uh, Lincoln. We did not wait for that. And I also will say I was a member of Trans Africa some years ago. And Trans Africa organized and they had allies with certain people in labor. And when... A, uh, in the Baltimore Harbor and when in somewhere out west, when they got people who would refuse to load boats going to South Africa, a couple weeks after that, they let Mandela out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they had any, one had anything to do with the other or if it was just coincidence. But they got, and Trans Africa got no credit for it, but that happened. So I'm saying th- there's a, a thing in here, don't be afraid of, of uh, going going for yourself or, or allying with other people. Mm-hmm. Things can be helpful, and, and don't be afraid, and don't ever vote for the lesser of two evils. Because yep. Trump is a phony. He he tried to be like Obama, who promised uh, to help the average person with medical care, and who did. And, and Obama also, um, e- even though he gave money to businesses, he, he also helped the average person. He, he got the businesses to... Uh, and it, which we're losing four to five hundred thousand jobs a month. He got them, you know, over. He he got that to stop. Even though later, all of America forgot about that, and and the lower rate of success of Trump made people forget that Obama, when the country was actually going down, did something. He he actually did. Well, I could go on about him. I'm no well, great fan of Obama. I, I, he, I understand. He's pretty, pretty, I, I understand. But he, no, he, but I don't like any of them because yeah, you know. I, so I understand. But rich people are doing a lot and if if we organize and we have some interest in in common with some of these other people just like obama we can get them to vote for something well uh, I, and i'll say this um i wasn't saying look i and i'll be honest i've heard a lot of black folks say they vote for trump oh anything and here's my position I ain't voting for Biden or Trump. I don't vote for the Democrats or the Republicans. I don't vote for the lesser of two evils. I don't vote for evil, right? So I'm with you on that. All I can say is this, but I understand people who do. I, I mean, if somebody says, this is why I'm doing it, I say, well, I can't argue with you. And, but, and it's your choice. I respect, I don't care who anybody wants to respect, vote for. I respect people's right to vote for whoever they choose. Just because I don't choose to go in that direction doesn't mean that I don't respect others who choose to, you know, who can make an argument for what they're going to do. If you can make an argument, if it ain't just out of fear, oh, I'm scared of this person, so I got to vote for that person. I don't respect that. But if somebody has a legitimate fear. position, hey, man, I can't argue with you. But at any rate, we got a couple more callers. I really appreciate the call. Next call, you're on the air. What's your name? Where you're calling from? I'm on the air now, girl. You, yes. Hey, my name's Chris, and uh, I want a couple. This is kind of like a little bit of a tangent, but a couple things that I remembered from before all this went down in October was that one thing was Benjamin Netanyahu came to town. There's a lot of things going on. There was the Abraham Accord, but he, right before this happened, he came to America and he met with Elon Musk. And then I remember that there was some legislation passed about. Um, now, uh, Israeli citizens could come. They had a special status where they could travel to the United States, you know, like a, a, a special kind of visa. They could come here without needing a visa. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yes. And my question is, what do you think about that? What was he talking to Elon about? 
in those weeks before this. this well, remember, um, 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 Israel has a lot of tech stuff going on there and Israel has a lot of power in the United States. They own Congress. The the the, the Zionists own Congress, lock, stock and barrel. So I would imagine Musk was probably talking to him about how he could get some uh get some pull in Congress. But I'm just guessing I have no clue. Could have something to do with tech companies. I have no idea. I was wondering if it had to do with internet access in the in the upcoming catastrophe since he's got all them satellites. It's possible. I could be way off with that. But anyways, what about the the other thing? I mean, do, can do I have a visa to go to Israel if I want to? Without I don't visa? know. That's a good question. But no, they I don't know. Have one to come here, right? But there and are a lot I of um, is, a lot of Israelis have dual citizenship, both mm-hmm. here in the U.S. A well, lot of Israel. Yeah. In fact, there are a number of them in our government that has dual citizenship. People who are serving in our government at very high positions have dual citizenship. It's, it's as good as dual citizenship, but every Israeli can come here with, without a visa anytime. And but I think that like, that's not the only—I mean, I think the U.K. is the same way. So, well, But at any rate, let me get running because I'm just about out of time. All right. Well, thank you, Garland. I appreciate it. Thank you. Do we have time for one more caller or not? All right. One more caller. You are the last caller for today. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, my name is Mo. Um, I'm calling from Mo, am I hearing the radio in the background? No. no, you're not. Okay, great. Go ahead, Mo. So I'd just like to make a couple comments, random statements about, like, our foreign policies slash interference. Um, you know, back to, like, how much money, how many hundreds of billions of dollars we give to foreign countries. You know, what would that look like if we spent that money in the United States in a, on Americans? How you know, that? how would that make our lives different instead of giving money to countries to defend themselves. Why not build hospitals and housing and education places for people to uh, improve their lives and their situations instead of people outside of our borders? Um, And, you know, some of the other things that we do, like how we're upset what uh, Russia Putin is doing to Ukraine, we do that to how many countries? Well, let me say, if you don't mind me making a statement on that. There ain't no such country as Ukraine. The United States overthrew the government of Ukraine. That's just a puppet government. And let me say this on that, and I'll I'll say this. If Russia and China overthrew the government of Mexico and started building military bases and arming them, the United States would attack Mexico, wouldn't they? Do you think the United States would let Russia and China start building military bases and putting missiles in and heading towards the United States? Now, okay, so that's what the United States did. I don't blame Russia. If I was the leader of Russia and, and, and the United States did what they did in Ukraine, I'd attack them, too. And if Russia did it in Mexico, which when it happened in Cuba, what the U.S. do? So do I blame Putin? No, I do the same thing. The United States started building bases all around my country, overthrew the government on my border and started putting missiles in. I'd attack them. So I ain't going to blame. I'd do it. And guess what? The same with Taiwan. If the United States keep messing around in Taiwan, China's going to blow them out of there. Any is, powerful do country would do, do it. Taiwan? Huh? And, like, one thing that I say to people that I, like, family and friends when I discuss this and they say they cry about Ukraine, I say, what about the Palestinians? They've been they've been crying and getting killed and land's been stolen from them for 75 years, but we don't cry, we don't care, because because they don't, they have a different society from the Israelis where there's more, they have more of a European sense than the Palestinians do. Oh, they, they, we need to get rid of them. They don't oh, yeah. need to be here. And, yep. and you know, Netanyahu's going to do what we want. He, that's going to be our stronghold in that region, which yep. it, it, for the most part, is. Yep. But if we were to, like, you know, the, the, as many places as we exist and as many problems as we cause, if we just stopped, what uh, would happen to the world? The world How would much, be a lot more peaceful. What would the temperature on all of these wars and, and you know, famine and you know, wars over land, what would happen to that? If a lot of them would disappear. So my one of my states... We're stoking them. The United what, States is stoking happens, those wars. What happens in Taiwan? How does that affect me? What happens in Ukraine? How does that affect me in the United right. States? Exactly. Exactly. And and not to say that I don't... That, that those aren't real problems for those people, but 
How does yeah. that affect me? And yeah. why oh, well, I, I got sorry, but we're out of time. I got, we're just about out of time. Uh, but please call back next week. And anybody, feel free to email me. My email address is, this is an easy one, Garland, G-A-R-L-A-N-D-N. My first name and the first letter of my last name, garlandin at gmail.com. Feel free to email me. I respond to all my emails. Um, I'm on Facebook, Garland Nixon. I'm on Telegram, things of that nature. So feel free to contact me. I appreciate it, everybody. I thank my main man, Shep, did another fantastic job. I will be back next Friday at 6 p.m. I'm out.